Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Andrew Dembski. Andrew is a process and project management guru. He gives digital agency teams the structure they need to grow quickly and sell with confidence. They know all about systems and processes and creating order out of chaos so that you can have more life with your agency. He began this as a fun side project eight years ago, and he's been able to turn his passion into the privilege of helping over 1,600 agency teams around the world. He's published over 200 episodes on his podcast, Agency Journey. Uh, His Facebook group has over 1,000 agency owners, and he has been a speaker at Inbound when that was a thing, to go out and speak at a conference on stage. It's been a little while since we've been doing that, uh, but hopefully you'll be back there soon. Andrew, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, man. Excited to be here. So what you specialize in, in terms of process, project management, and operations, I, I'm not going to lie. This is probably uh, close to my kryptonite, if not my <laughs> kryptonite. Uh, I mean, I love processes, but when it comes to like managing projects, you know, managing people that are managing projects, I'm not like this super high follow through person. So I have to have people around me. I do have to rely a lot on systems, but it sounds like this is your cup of tea. This is kind of what you're into. What about process and project management really captivates you? Yeah, it wasn't always my thing. Like, to be honest, I'm a generally disorganized person. So to to sit there and be that to be that person, like it took work to get here, but they say your mess turns into your masterpiece if you spend enough time focusing on it. So what brought me here was um, my business partner, Graham McKenzie and I, we started our digital agency out of our college dorm room. We're doing website design and social media marketing strategies for people who had no idea how unqualified we were to do that. (laughs) Um, But we were having a good time doing it. Uh, Sold our first website, while we were still in college there, um, I remember counting out the $500 on the dorm room floor and the little like card table next to it where we had everything sketched out for what that site was going to look like. And that's where it all... So you got $500 cash. That's right. Five $100 bills. Like we were very excited. Um, it was awesome. Um, we were living the dream. That's, that is awesome. But then, you know, you get that first deal in there and once you get over that high, it's like, oh crap, <laughs> what are we going to do now? So we, we hacked it together and we, we ended up like growing it out of school, jumped into entrepreneurship. We had three business partners at that time and we started bringing on more and more clients. We were doing websites. We got into content marketing, inbound marketing, all that kind of stuff. And that's when we really started to feel the pinch when we had like four or five clients on board and each owner, or like each, each partner was kind of the client point person for different clients. 
we were really feeling the strain because stuff was looking different for each client. And if one of us couldn't, you know, be there for a client meeting or couldn't proof the blog post, like all the context was stuck in our heads. And so even with just three people, stuff was looking very, very different. And there was no consistent way for our client deliverables to kind of go out the door at the end of the day. And we didn't want to be the ones like in the trenches at, at the end of the day. So that's what started my journey. I picked up the E-Myth, revisited and read, read that book and by Michael Gerber. And that really changed changed how I looked at things and opened my eyes to the power of process that I used to feel like if, if you put too much structure around something, it would stifle like your creativity. But what I found out was that that, that structure when done appropriately frees you from the chaos so that you can, you can create to your, to your maximum. And so fast forward to today. Now it's uh, we're helping other agency owners overcome that chaos and, and put some structure in place that helps their, creatives grow. And I think that constraint, that structure, I mean, if you go up to an artist and you just say, make something, whatever you want, with whatever you want. I mean, that's like most artists, it's almost their worst nightmare. They might even be paralyzed. Whereas if you go up to an artist with, you know, a, a sketch pad and a box of colored pencils and you say, you know, I want you to draw something that, uh, you know, something that you've that's recently inspired you or drawn animal or whatever, right? You now all of a mm-hmm. sudden we have direction and we can actually create within exactly. the, that structure. Yeah. Like there's what, where digital agencies get bit so much on the process side and why things feel like chaos so often is because they will do anything for anybody. And I know that you're a big advocate of picking a market, serving that market well, and kind of controlling your outputs as an agency when you do that, that's the equivalent of handing someone the sketch pad, the pencils and a picture and saying like, do this because it's the, when you open up the possible to anything, how can you document that? It's like a factory that one minute you've got a, a John Deere tractor coming down the production line. The next minute you have a lamp. The next minute you have an iPhone, like all of those things get manufactured in a factory but they don't come out of the same factory. They don't follow the same process. They don't have the same team putting them together. So why do agencies expect that they can deliver 90 different deliverables and expect them to come out with any any consistency at the end of the day? You've got to limit what those inputs are so that your team gets the opportunity to develop mastery over each step in that process. That's the only way to really like begin to bring some clarity to the chaos. You know, and I do advocate a lot for you to find your market, whether that's a vertical, horizontal, the technology, uh, specific pain or need in the marketplace, some some kind of audience that you can, uh, you know, you can kind of find and, and claim uh, as your own. And one of the reasons that, you know, and that wasn't something like I just had an epiphany one day, oh, this sounds like a good idea. It was like through <laughs> the pain of like doing it wrong and just thinking to myself, I don't want anybody else to do it this wrong ever uh, ever again. But one of the challenges that we have, and I hear this all the time, and I'm sure you have some really good stuff to say on this, is we would have that process that we built. We'd be like, oh, we need to create a process for this, right? Like we need to have a process, a checklist or whatever for building a website. And so we'd create this process and then we'd go out and sell a different type of website to a different type of client. And it was mm-hmm. maybe a lot bigger or maybe it was a lot wider or a lot, you know, more complex functionality. And of course, this new project, right, would like break everything, right? And, you know, everybody mm-hmm. was constantly being brought back in to, 
you know, meetings. Like, oh, didn't we have a process for this? And of course we pulled the process and be like, well, yeah, but this isn't, none of this applies to this project, right? And it, it always yeah. became this kind of thing. And I hear people say this a lot to me, Andrew, when we're talking to them about getting out and marketing their business, getting out and selling, getting out there in the marketplace. They'll say, Brent, I'll do that once I have all my ducks in a row, once I have all my processes <laughs> built, right? And, and they kind of use it as like this obstacle, right? Like, yeah. Oh. And uh, so how do you think about building processes? When's the right time to be doing that? I mean, is there moments where you should just, where you should wing it and just kind of build it as it goes? Or, you know, mm-hmm. is there a time where you think, hey, starting to build processes and SOPs, do it at this point, not this point? Yeah, it's a fantastic question because it's something that we all have to live with. Whether you have, whether you feel super confident in the processes you have or you haven't documented anything at all, there's always going to be this feeling that I don't have it all figured out just yet. And that's okay. You've got to, you've got to be okay living in that tension because how you do what you do, that is, that is process is ever evolving. If you are going to grow as a business, your processes need to grow and change with you. And so don't feel like it's something that you get done once and then it's done forever. The best place to start is to do a process prioritization. And so what we walk our our clients through is a simple exercise. Just list out everything that you do. Just just create a full deliverable breakdown. If, If you do a lot of projects, think of like, what are the milestones in the projects? Put that on the list. If it's your ongoing work, list out all the deliverables that would be included in there and just get everything possible that you've created. And if you need to put a a time window on it, look at the last six months, pull up the contracts that you have signed. What are the deliverables listed on the contracts and create that big list. And then I want you to go through that list and say, okay, on a scale of one to five, how frequently do we as a team go through this process? A five being, Hey, we do this every week. We're, We're extremely comfortable. We understand the steps in this. Um, there's a high level of understanding on what goes into this process. Number one being, hey, this is something that we do. Every fifth client needs this one thing set up. And so I know there's a process somewhere, someone knows how to do it, but we don't do it that often. Grade them on a one to five. And then in the next column, again, one to five, grade the, grade the complexity of the process. How many moving parts are associated with this? Are there a lot of outside systems that need to get plugged into this? Put that in there on a scale of one to five. And then the third column is just the pain. How painful is this process right now? Is this something that is, if I miss this, it's going to cause a lot of friction with the client. Five is very painful. A one is it's not very painful. If you go through all of your deliverables and you give it a score on each of those three categories on a one to five, that'll spit out a pain score, rank that highest to lowest. And that's going to show you your most painful processes. You want to start at the top and work your way down. And as you're working through that list, you want to filter through, you know, what are, what are, what are the things that my team is expressing frustration with or pain with, and just use that as your prioritization list. Because if you do that and then you bite off three to five of those a week as a team, that's going to be how you slowly chip away at this. And that leads into the second point here, which processes, it's, it's not, you don't want to just block off a two day chunk get everyone down, do it all, write everything down, and then it's back to work as usual. No, like processes need to be baked into the rhythm of how you do your work. So you want to have at least once a month, a standing meeting with your team where you're reviewing your standard new client template pack. 
And basically that's the, the folder template that you're going to use inside your project management tool that when a new client comes on board, this is the project that we start with. And we want to review that and figure out what are the things that are redundant in this project? Can we merge any tasks? What are the things that are missing that we're doing, but it's not documented? And then third, what are the things that we need to add to it? Because they are some, some ideas that we've validated for a client or some cool things we want to test out. But we've got to be going back through our processes every month and refining them and then also building them out. So as that deliverable prior or that process prioritization worksheet there that I walked through, as you move through that, you want to have a time each each week or each month, depending on your team's rhythms, when they when they are blocking time to build processes on that. So once those pains are identified, identify the member of the team that's going to own it, and that's going to be the person responsible for building out that process and what goes into that. Hey, agency owners, are you currently building, managing, or optimizing WordPress websites and struggling to keep up or becoming the bottleneck? I'm excited to announce Unlimited WP, a white-label team that can help you do more with less. Whether you're building a WordPress website, doing updates, or maintenance and backups, you can assign all those tasks and more to Unlimited WP so you can free your time, make more money, and focus on what's most important. Get 25% off your first month by using the code DAS2020 at unlimitedwp.com to start today. Now let's get back to our interview. Andrew, dude, lot to unpack there. I think your mindset around that this needs to be a baked into rhythm is a massive takeaway because I just, I, you know, oh yeah, I sat down for, I got all my processes done. Like, oh, whew, right. We, we created this epic Google you know, documents nested, lots of documents like we've done that. And I think one of yeah. two things can happen too is one is you never actually end up finishing that. And so you feel like you're always, you're like, oh, I haven't, I'm not going to use these processes yet because I'm not yet done. Yeah. Uh, but also you might end up spending an incredible amount of time versus just like knocking off a couple of processes, getting back to work, kind of doing your thing and then coming back to yeah. it and adding to it and evolving it but making more of it a, a core value uh, around your business than, than not. Uh, one quick question for clarification. You mentioned the complexity is a one to five score. I'm assuming mm -hmm. one being not very complex and uh, five being uh, maybe really complex. Again, it's an arbitrary scale, but that's... Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, love, I love the arbitrary scale. I love things that take subjective evaluations and turn them into objective numbers. Um, so you're, you're saying if, and I have a, a hunch here of why you would do this, but the more complex something is, mm -hmm. the more weight you want to put to documenting it sooner. I'm exactly. thinking that that's because of, you mentioned this earlier, like none of your work was consistent. So you were producing inconsistent work. So the more complex something is, the more variable it's going to be potentially be uh, in terms of how it's done. Is that kind of the general feeling there that you're going to take on these heaviest loads first? It's exactly right. And a good example of this is I was just walking through with a client this morning was going through a, a new HubSpot implementation. So this client has a three week process for getting a new HubSpot account configured for their client. And if you go into those step-by-step -step processes, there's like configuring lead scoring and setting up life cycle stages inside of the marketing automation. If you just skip that step and you let that client run for two months and then they come back and they say, okay, all these leads are coming in, but like what, why aren't these workflows firing or like, why aren't these emails going out? It's, 
it's a step within a complex process that if you miss it today, it just compounds in its impact later because it could like, let's say you don't, you don't put on your Google analytics code onto a new website build. So a month goes by and you have no idea what, where traffic is coming from. Those little things that are like one step within a big process, if you miss them, they bite you. So you always want to get those most complex processes dialed in and written down. So it creates a level of transparency into here's how we do it as an organization. It's kind of our way of doing things and it's going to free you up too, because it's going to get it out of your head. It's going to relieve a little bit of anxiety there that I'm the only person that knows how to wire this whole thing together. Um, And maybe you need to do a little bit of humility there because some people do like being that person who is the only one who knows how to do something. But I would challenge you to, to embrace the, the process of documenting those things out and then delegating them out so you can tell people what to do and how to do it. Because once you get to that point, that's freedom. You also mentioned frequency, which I think is huge. Because again, I go back to this person. And I've heard this, you know, for anybody that's ever said this, I mean, don't feel bad. I've heard it from so many people, right? We want to get everything done before we're going to go out there and start marketing and selling it. I've always kind of got the opposite approach. Let's go out and market and sell it. And then we'll figure out how to build it. And then once we've done it a few times, you know, then we'll start to say, okay, we've got some frequency here, some repetition. Now we should start to probably put these things into, put these into some, some processes. But I think it's really easy to take a list of deliverables and I've seen people do this. They make the list and they have all mm-hmm. these things they want to document and create SOPs for. And they just start at like A or they start at the thing that's earlier in the project, right? And then they never get to the thing that actually maybe needs it because, you know, and I love this frequency is like, look at those things that you're actually, you know, that's taking up most of your time, or at least you're touching those processes a lot, right? And start mm-hmm. with um, those things versus, Oh, we did a social media campaign for a client like once and somebody needs to go and document that process so that we have it in a folder somewhere. So next time we have this come across our desk in six months that we have that process documented, right? I'm always like, "Eh, probably not the SOP you should make. (laughs) No, you want to get it out there early because two things, when developing process is like a muscle, like you've got to train your team on how to do it because at first there's going to be a friction there that, it's why should I take the time now and add a step to what I'm doing? Let me just like hustle away at my list because agency life is crazy, right? You go through those most frequent processes higher on the list because there's a greater familiarity already with how it works. So people can already pretty quickly mentally check off, okay, step one, step two, step three. Like I don't need to do a lot of work to document something that I do every single day. So when it comes to developing that habit or developing that that muscle of documenting your process, building out those checklists, understanding the time estimates on those tasks. We want to put those on people and get them to document the things that they do most frequently first so that they understand how it works. It's also a great way to open up conversation. If you've got a couple different copywriters in your team, or you've got a couple different designers in your team and you're documenting core process that each of them are completing, it's the same process, but they're doing it independently of each other we can have those early conversations around the things that we're creating all the time. What's our standard for it? Because we might all be doing something similar, but not exactly the same. So if it comes to how are we structuring our file names so that stuff is quickly found, how are we moving through all the different workflows in in a, a way that allows everyone to see where a project is at a certain point, having those conversations earlier on in the process on those more frequent things 
is another advantage to just tap into the full IP of each person and get that captured into the the best practice. So you've got a process you've identified, you've done some ranking, you've got your pain score, which I think is just great because now we're, we're alleviating pain by hopefully documenting this process. And I know there's a spectrum of what the actual documented process looks like. Yeah. But what's, where should people start? I mean, is there, I mean, I could imagine a quick little checklist, but then also, you know, it's like, you know, a process for, you know, checking in with a client, right? It's like call a client, update Basecamp, uh, you know, send email, recap, high five project manager, right? I mean, that's like a few yep. steps, right? Versus call a client. Here's how you introduce yourself on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the script for this, right? I mean, literally giving somebody verbatim what they should be saying on the phone. So we know there's a spectrum of a little bit of documentation on one end, a checklist, and then on the other end, it's like the 24-page Google document that I know took somebody a lot of time. Yep. Nobody's going to want to sit there with that thing open every day and go step-by-step step through it. Like, where where is your mindset in terms of how much we should be documenting uh, with processes and at what point? It's a great question because typically people fall either on the over-documentation or underside, but the you want to be in the meeting middle because what we want to do... We want to have a structure set up where it is client and then it's going to be project and then it's going to be deliverable. Deliverable is going to be made up of different tasks. Each task is going to have a checklist. Each task is going to have a time estimate on it. Each each task is going to be assigned to a role. That's kind of the hierarchy of how you play that out. We The tool that we, we recommend people use is ClickUp. We love ClickUp. So inside of ClickUp, the way it works in that feature set is folder, list, task, subtask, checklist. That's kind of their nested hierarchy. The thing you want to have in your head is that processes should live where work is done. When I tell you what to do, when to do it, I should also show you how to do it. Those three things need to come together. And when we have all those in place, we've got a we've got a really healthy baseline. What you're alluding to is, is where do I put my 10-page wiki that goes into exactly the, the deep how of what I do? Something that I need when I'm training new team members, I need them to have that context of how the big picture flows together. But for my team that's doing this every single day, I don't want them checking off 32 items. I want them to go through you know five to eight checklist items to just make sure they're hitting the main points in the process. And so that's, that's the rubric that we use there is if, if you're onboarding someone new, there should be a place on that task where they can get to that deep level understanding, whether it's a link to an internal wiki, or if it's a training video, a collection of Loom videos, it could just be links to blog posts that talk about this. You want to have that live somewhere. So we typically put that in the task description. That's where we're going to link to like deep dive resources on how to do this. And then in the checklist that lives on the task, that's where we're going to put in basically the the checkpoints. I'm someone who does this task on a regular basis. What are the five to eight things that I need to remember to make sure that I did this properly? Boom, 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 boom. If you if you start building out like nested checklists down there and it's like 30 to 50 items, like no one's going to comprehend that. Like you don't want the process to slow down the work that this person is doing, it's a quality control check. So 
Use the description on your task to link out to the deep dive stuff. Use the checklist as quality control. And that'll be kind of a healthy balance between those two things of not giving enough context and giving way too much to the point where no one even takes the time to pay attention to it. So from the deliverable, there's five to eight, or I'm sorry, from the deliverable, there's tasks and the task level, we're limiting ourselves to five to eight checklists on on that individual task and they should be the critical things that Mm -hmm. you know must happen versus you know write one line of code write two lines you know like it shouldn't be that that many which i think it's so easy to overcook that and have a lot more checkpoints And, and i think what i'm hearing from you is it's okay to have that documentation for the wiki for the comprehensive loom step by step, yeah. hey, this is the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time you're doing this. This resource might really help you once yeah. you've kind of learned and mastered this thing. Then we just need to make sure that you don't miss this step, like don't miss this step, etc. Exactly, exactly. I'm I'm sure your uh, checklist manifesto. I'm sure you're a big fan of uh, that book. Maybe um, I know that I took uh, flight training for a while, and I know that that's kind of always what I think about is. You know, if we have engine problems, like that's not the right time to read the wiki. You know, it's like, yep. hey, you know, make sure your glide path is good. Cycle the engine, right? Hit these three buttons, right? And, you know, kind of go through stuff. And if you've gone through everything and you have time to go to kind of the next layer, right? Maybe there's going to be a second or third checklist from there if you haven't slammed to the ground yet. But hopefully you've uh, you've done the five to eight critical things and the engine restarts and you're good to go. Absolutely. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that is fast to set up and delivers my clients' websites with the speed the internet demands. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme set up valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. So you mentioned ClickUp as a tool. And I know because of how people think about process, if they were in front of a computer and they're listening to this podcast, they Googled it, they went to it, and there there are people right now in our our listenership. They're like, oh, yes, I heard uh, Andrew said ClickUp is going to solve all of my problems. I must switch to ClickUp and, and all of my processes will be built. I know there's somebody out there right now that's thinking that thought. And they're thinking, if only we switched all of our clients over to ClickUp, we'd figure out how to make these processes work for our business. Uh, right. Is that how you think of tools? I used to. <laughs> then I built a software product called Do Inbound that did a lot of this stuff that brought process and project management together. We invested years into the product. No one, like hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of development. And we ended up sunsetting the tool about a year and a half ago because it's not the tool that solves the problem. What we found was that we were built, we built a software product and we were still coaching people on the basics of process development. And Gray and I looked at each other and we said, if we want to keep up with Asana and ClickUp, like Asana had just finished a $70 million funding round. It was their A round. And I looked up, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want investors. So when I grow my business, I want to make sure that we're doing, I, I want to answer to no one but myself and my, my buddy Gray who's my business partner. So we had a hard choice to make there. And that's when we decided to sunset the tool and migrate our users over to ClickUp. 
But the fundamental lesson that I learned there spending over $700,000 on development was the tool doesn't matter nearly as much as internal buy-in on the process. What powers what you do as an agency? If you can get, if you can get unity internally on what you, what your core offering is as an agency, if you can sell that consistently so that you're, you're consistently delivering the right inputs. And if you can, as a team, make sure that you're cycling through the same core set of processes and improving them over time, the tool really doesn't matter. Like you can make it work in Google Sheets. You can make it work in Asana. You can make it work on monday.com. We love ClickUp because it's it has the most flexible architecture that allows us to put that framework that I just laid out into place really quickly. And it's got a lot of cool features that make life easy. But all of that is after that internal clarity and unity around what you offer. Because without that, it's just another free trial. I mean, best case scenario, it's another free trial, right? Or it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you've been paying for it for 18 months and you're like, oh, I need to cancel it, but it's only $15 a month, right? It's just chaos. <laughs> it's where, where is that stuff anyway? So it's just, you wind up in Slack again or you wind up in email again. Like it, it just breeds chaos unless you've got that high level buy-in. That's where the clarity comes from is having those hard conversations once you have those hard conversations and you know who you serve and how you serve them well, it's the discipline to, to stick to it. And that makes your process a thousand times easier. So get, uh, well, maybe kind of, this will be kind of our last topic for this interview around that buy-in and getting team members, uh, team yeah. members and clients to mm-hmm. use the dang thing. And I know that there are agency owners that, Maybe they're not personally in the project all the time. So they're not necessarily, yeah. they're not in a position to lead by example necessarily. They, they want to implement a tool or process to get consistency, uh, to have some transparency about where things are going, to be able to mm-hmm. see, you know, are they on track or not? Are they on, are, are they on budget or not? Is this thing profitable or are we taking it in the teeth? Yeah. But I know a lot of people struggle with that buy-in of getting people to actually use the tools or mm-hmm. follow the processes that we have implemented. I mean, if, if yeah. our team doesn't follow the process, are we going around and, you know, doing like berating people or like, you know, yelling at them or, you know, virtual yeah. wrist slapping for, you know, you didn't follow the process, you didn't follow the checklist. Like, how do you get people to actually use this stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. And a lot of the, this is going to fall right on the shoulders of the owner because a lot of times the owner's personality is going to dictate whether or not this is a challenge for them. What I've found is that the nice agency owners are the ones that have a problem with this. Um, they don't want to make anyone <laughs> so upset. All you, all you nice agency owners out there, you're screwed is what I just said. You're too says. kind, guys. <laughs> you're too kind. And I feel you like you just don't want to, you don't want to pressure people. You want everyone to work in a way that makes them feel most comfortable. Uh, you got a, a remote team, so you want to like make sure that you're not overbearing on them. But at the end of the day, you need to own how you work. You need to set the expectation to your team on what is acceptable. How do we operate? And nobody likes to function in chaos. It's horrible. One of the first things we do when we start working with an agency is we run them, we run their entire team through a survey. And what we're trying to figure out is how does the way that the, the team operates, 
how does each person on the team feel about that? How do they feel about the state of their processes? How do they feel about how well they communicate with clients, how they engage clients for feedback um, about the general the leadership? Are they open to feedback? Are they open to what I think? We do that team survey to just to get a pulse on where everyone is at. And then we use that to guide the leadership team through the framework of what of what changes that they need to make. And so if you're if you're in that place, there's a couple of things that you need you need to typically work on. Number one, you need a champion, someone who is going to be that follow-up person, who's going to be that virtual slap on the wrist. It should not be the agency owner. Let me relieve some folks there. But just like you need a sales manager who's going to follow up with the sales team and make sure that they're they're doing their activities. You gotta be. You gotta have someone that's on top of your delivery team to make sure that they're actually following through, that they're tracking their time, that if they move a due date, they're leaving a comment explaining why that due date got moved. These are not fun things to do, but it's like training a dog. Like you gotta, you gotta be a lot more intentional in those in those early puppy years. And then if you do that right, you're gonna get a well trained dog who doesn't freak out when company comes over. But if you just let that puppy go wild and do whatever it wants, it's never going to behave the way you want it to. And so I don't, I don't mean that to like insult anyone and say you're, you're like a puppy, but we have to train on expectations. We have to set clear expectations and then we have to follow through and make sure that everyone understands that this isn't a suggestion. This is how we do business here. So we, we call it uh, the ClickUp champion if you're on ClickUp, but you have to have that person on your team that is responsible every day for figuring out what tasks are out there that don't have a, an owner on them. What tasks are out there that don't have a due date on them? What tasks are out there that are assigned but are late? And be that person who's bumping all of those things to keep your your system up to date because you want a single point of truth. That's what we're trying to help create. The, the project management tool should be that single point of truth so that you have all your processes in there. You have an, a, um, a champion who's keeping everyone up to date. Everyone's logging their information in there to provide context that then becomes a data set that the leadership team can use to make hiring decisions, determine profitability, understand resource allocation. None of those things are possible without disciplined execution inside the tool. So you need someone on your team that can hold everybody accountable. Do it with grace, but with a a firmness. Understand that that person has the back of the owner so that they can exert that but they can only exert that standard once everyone is understanding of what the expectations are. And that's a lot in there. I know that I don't want to trivialize that. Like I know it's a big deal, but that's what you got to do if you want to keep things up to date. Well, I know one thing for certain. I think you just described my dog and uh, (laughs) yeah, fortunately he's only 19 pounds, but uh, you know, there's, he, he, he doesn't do uh doesn't do too much damage in terms of jumping on people and such, but, uh, but yeah, no, no training whatsoever. Um, so early, early and often. And if you've maybe gone beyond that stage, keeping mm-hmm. that firmness, but with some level of grace. And I think some of those takeaways, Andrew, the internal champion, how to structure this in terms of uh, client project, deliverable task checklist, time role. I mean, there's a ton of nuggets for me in this session. The process should live where the work is done. Uh, it's not the tool uh, that manages the process, right? But you've got more of those those people. We've got to get that er- internal buy-in. And also what I love is 
the core offering and who you serve, how much mm-hmm. that plays in. And that's that's music to my ears. I mean, I think that having people when you when you are a generalist and you'll do anything for anybody, you know, taking that message from us here at you gurus one more time, that the more you focus, the more constraints you put in your business, the easier it's gonna be. Uh, or I should say simpler, it's going to be to create processes. None of what you ran us through today sounds very easy, but it does sound simple, especially when it's uh, coming out of your your mouth where you've really dialed your message around this. Uh, dude, this has been awesome. Are you ready for our lightning round? Let's do it. All right, Andrew, what is the best advice you've ever received? Right out of college, as we were getting Guava Box off the ground, I went to work for my aunt. She runs a PR agency. And she told me, never send anything to a client you don't want to see on the front page of the Wall Street Journal the next day. And if you just look at the news any day of the week, you can see that that's a piece of advice that a lot more people should take. And I've taken it to heart. <laughs> Maybe it's don't ever do anything in your life that you wouldn't want on the front page of, uh, of the Wall Street Journal, right? Uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I think it's, I've been, I've been in business with my, my friend Gray for close to a decade and it's just honest conversations. It's ha- it's being able to have hard conversations with people that you work with or people that you're friends with that you want to be in real real relationships with. Be be with those people who will have a hard conversation with you, who will bring it up to you, and are open to you bringing hard stuff up to them. That's that practice across different stages of life, both on the receiving end and on the initiating end, has has been hard in the moment, but or good fruit. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Uh, I'd like to add maybe an additional tool to click up. We'll obviously, you know, include a link to them in our show notes, but uh, what's mm-hmm. another tool that you use that you rely on? There's so many tools. Um, ClickUp is a no brainer. Um, we just started using around. Um, I think it's around.co. This is, it's like a video conferencing, co-working app. It doesn't take up as much real estate as Zoom does on your screen. And it's really fast. It just has two, like two talking heads that sit on your screen. And it's we're loving it right now. It's a really fast, quick way to, to spin up video chats. And what book would you recommend and why? Uh, that would be The E-Myth, revisited by Michael Gerber. Um, whether you've been in business one year or 10 years, it's a phenomenal, simple tale of why it's important to document how you do what you do. And I think that book is definitely one of those that you can come back to a few times and at different times of your business career. And it's, it's very different. It's one of those that I I read, but then I've kept an audio book kind of in my rotation. So love that book. Uh, Amazing recommendation. We'll link out to that in our show notes, both to the print and audio book, as well as around.co. We will also link out to ClickUp. Uh, Andrew, how can our audience find out more about you? Uh, where can they check out something you might have? Yeah. If you want to learn more about how you can use ClickUp at your agency, you can just Google ClickUp for agencies. We've got a deep dive blog post that shows you the exact framework that I walked through here on the call and how to set that up inside ClickUp. If you want to learn more about what we're up to, just head over to zenpilot.com. You can connect with us there. And if you want to reach out to me personally, LinkedIn is probably the best place to catch me. Andrew Demsky, D-Y-M-S-K-I. Awesome. Well, as I said, we will organize all those links on our show notes page, yougurus.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, uh, and you go to that page, you'll see Andrew's face up there at the top of that. 
uh, list. You were also on episode 24, and we'll make sure to link back to that. I think you had kind of a different business and a different structure back then, and uh, you were doing a lot of this stuff with Do Inbound, so things have changed, but uh, if you want to get more of Andrew's backstory, that's going to be a great episode to check out. So go to yougurus.com forward slash podcast, and we'll also link out to your social media. We'll we'll lead with LinkedIn, but uh, we'll, we'll try to put out anything else that we can find uh, about you so that our listeners can find out lots of good stuff and can reach out and uh, learn more about you as well as uh, that uh, click up for agencies article. We'd love to, uh, we'll, we'll find that link to that as well as Zen pilot on our show notes. Dude, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. My pleasure. It's been, it's been a real good time. Glad we could reconnect here. And that's it for this week's episode of the digital agency show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale the multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Weaver.